Hello, dreamers, and welcome to this week's episode. Before we get started, I just have a few notes about the show. This is an independent one-woman production, which means I depend on you to help keep the show up and running. And there are a few ways that you can help. You can leave a nice rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to your shows on. It gives us more visibility in order for new listeners to discover us. You can recommend us in true crime discussion groups and forums. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have an extra dollar or two a month, you can join the show's Patreon. In doing so, you'll gain access to dozens of full-length episodes you won't hear anywhere else. And if a subscription isn't for you, but you would still like to support me and the puppies, you can do so with a one-time donation through PayPal using the email californiapod at gmail.com. This week, I'd like to thank Nicole S., Stephanie S., Tiffany C., Judy, Lynn N., Katie U., Ashley D., Diane, Elizabeth B., Darla A., and Lauren S. for either joining Patreon, raising your pledge, or donating through PayPal. All right, I'm going to just dive right into this episode because originally I was going to put this one on Patreon, but I had a different idea for that, so I don't have the traditional introduction for this one. All right, here we go. This is a story about friendship, a friendship that should have, could have lasted a lifetime. But then sometimes things happen. Life happens, and we don't always end up where we thought we would. There are twists and turns. The road is windy. We roll with it. We adjust. We change. We compromise. As you grow and learn, you come to expect the unexpected. But when it comes to your friends, the ones you know, understand, love, trust, rely on, especially your best friends, the ones that are closest to you, the ones you know better than they know themselves. Those are the steady elements in your life. They're your constant, your anchor. They're your balance, your security. You're faithful, you're unfaltering. That is what we have here with Brittany and Alphonse. It was an unlikely friendship that materialized in an unlikely way which began in a high school gymnasium and would endure a span of years and life changes until it didn't. Alphonse Fitzhugh was raised in the city of San Jose, California by a single mother. As much as she was there for him, he was there for her as well. Throughout her life, Alphonse's mother struggled with health ailments, including diabetes and lupus, and not to mention all of the various conditions and maladies associated with those diseases. Waking up to find your mother unresponsive because she slipped into a diabetes-related coma is traumatic for anyone, much more so for a child or a teenager whose biggest worry should be his next English paper or math test or the big game on Friday. According to Alphonse's father, Xavier, because of the way he was made at an early age to have so much concern and compassion for his mom, that carried over to all the girls and women that Alphonse would become close to in life. He developed a respect and a protectiveness. 
He looked out for those that he really cared for. There came a time when Alphonse's mother decided that she and her son might be suited for something a bit more slow-paced than San Jose. With more than a million residents, it is the third most populated city in California behind Los Angeles and San Diego. So when Alphonse was just about to start middle school, his mother decided to move to the much more city of Lodi, which is approximately an hour and a half northeast of San Jose. While Lodi is smaller than San Jose, it's not the smallest town we've ever visited throughout the years on this show. It boasts a population of around 66,000 residents, but it is less city and more rolling hills that it is best known for its grape cultivation. Now, Lodi isn't as distinguished or illustrious as Napa or Sonoma or Paso Robles, but it has become a bit more well-known for some of its vintages in recent years. Alphonse's mom was ready for a change of pace, for a more restful and leisurely place to put down roots, and she found exactly what she wanted in Lodi. For Alphonse, it was a drastic change. It was a much different life than the liveliness and the bustle of the big cities dotted around the San Francisco Bay. With Lodi being mostly vineyards and suburban living, it's surrounded by a lot of land and rolling hills and wineries, so for a teenager it can be kind of boring. And bored teenagers can sometimes turn into mischievous teenagers. You know what they say, idle hands are the devil's workshop. But Alphonse, to those who knew him, to his friends and family, he was, by and large, a good kid. Going to a new city almost 100 miles or 160 kilometers away meant that Alphonse was 100 miles or 160 kilometers away from all of his friends. He and his mom settled into an apartment complex in Lodi, and it was there he met his first and for a while, only friend, a young man named Evan Carraway. Evan's family life was described as dysfunctional, and because of Alphonse's caring nature, he would often invite Evan over to hang out at his place. Soon, he would be staying for dinner, and before long, Alphonse would be helping him out by giving him some of his clothing and some of his shoes because Evan's things would be tattered and worn. While this would irk Alphonse's mom sometimes, she did appreciate the fact that her son did have his heart in the right place. Once the boys got started in middle school, they quickly made other friends. Alphonse was a very likable and personable guy. Kids gravitated towards him, and before long, he was amongst one of the most popular students on campus. His mom allowed, and possibly even preferred, that her home was the place that Alphonse and his friends were welcome to hang out after school, and oftentimes beyond that. The main stipulation was that they all finished their homework first. Then they could kick back, they could watch TV, play video games, do whatever it is that middle school boys do. They started staying for dinner, and if it was a Friday or Saturday, they could stay the whole night. Alphonse's home was the place to be, and the fact that his mom was cool about it only enhanced his popularity amongst his friends. 
You know, like we talked about it in the beginning, things change. Situations change, schools change, friends change, people change. The bond that Evan and Alphonse developed for the two years or so across their time in middle school, it didn't exactly carry over very well into high school. This is a time when boys start thinking that they're becoming men, their interests change, their goals change, and Alphonse had his sights set on a life beyond this small neighborhood and this handful of friends. High school is bigger. You get to know people from the different surrounding areas. You begin to venture and gravitate towards new people, places, and things. Alphonse's world was widening and he was excited for whatever it was that was destined to come his way. It was in Alphonse's sophomore year that he came to know a freshman named Brittany Coberly. Her friends described her as your typical quintessential California girl, but nowadays that could be anybody who's able to pull off a laid back casual vibe. Brittany had fiery red hair, pale skin, freckles. She was thin, athletic, and pretty. She had a tough tomboyish side to her with an attitude to match. She was very family oriented. She had a younger brother and sister. Her parents were still married to each other. She did have a fun and wild life of the party side to her as well. And that was kind of like how her family was. They were the very loud, boisterous types wherever they went. Brittany was the same. And she had this laugh and the sense of humor to go along perfectly with it. And as I said, Brittany was athletic and she played sports when she was young with her city leagues. When Brittany got into middle school, her mom encouraged her to try out for the cheer squad, but she wasn't having it. She gave it a try, but after their season opener football game, she was one and done. She tossed her pom-poms into the garbage and picked up a bat instead. Softball became Brittany's thing. After going through the gambit of other sports, she eventually settled on that as her sport. So in order for Brittany to pursue that, her mom finally pulled her from private school and enrolled her at Lodi High School. She tried out and of course, she made the team. If Brittany was at all nervous about making the transition from private to public school, she really didn't show it. She was already a pretty confident young woman. She settled very quickly into the new school and naturally her favorite class was PE. And the way the schedule worked out, Brittany's class would be in the gym on Fridays and that was the same day that the weight training class would be in the gym too, which was a class that Alphonse was taking. And that's how the two of them met. On Fridays, the two classes would get together and play a pretty damn competitive game of dodgeball. You know those girls on the softball team, they can throw. No matter how much weight training these guys put in, they're not going to beat a softball player in a game of dodgeball. And yeah, Alphonse played some football and he was on the track team, but still, Brittany could wipe up the gymnasium floor with him when it came to dodgeball. The first time she knocked him out, he knew that he wanted to be friends with this girl because this was certainly one girl that he did not want to be enemies with. Because of Brittany's personality, she got along just as well with boys as she did with girls. It didn't matter, she could pretty much be friends with anybody. 
and Alphonse really enjoyed her company. They laughed a lot, they had fun, they could talk to each other about anything. Brittany did have girlfriends, but sometimes there can be drama and cattiness with girls. She also played sports, so she easily gravitated towards having guy friends. For the rest of their time in high school, Alphonse and Brittany became the best of friends. They were together all the time. They got to know one another's families, who also embraced their friendship. Brittany and Alphonse were also like-minded in that they had aspirations and dreams about their futures. Doing well in school was important to both of them. They both were very much looking forward to continuing their education beyond high school. They wanted to go to college and earn degrees. Brittany one day wanted to go to medical school and become an OBGYN. Alphonse wanted to be a filmmaker. Because of his mother's various health ailments, he would pass the time at home by watching movies. And so there would come a time when there was rarely a movie out there that Alphonse had not seen. Both Alphonse and Brittany had big dreams. They wanted to make something out of their lives. They wanted to see what the world had to offer them beyond the confines of the rolling hills and vineyards of Lodi. Brittany really loved and embraced her unlikely friendship with Alphonse, as did he. They were both excited for each other's dreams, and they knew that the bond that they had would endure, that they would be there to support each other every step of the way. Brittany loved the idea of Alphonse one day becoming a movie director or a producer. She felt like their friendship was like a real-life buddy comedy. But you know, life doesn't always stick to the script. Not every movie gives you the warm and fuzzies, right? Not every movie has a happily ever after. When someone writes a movie plot, they control the narrative. The writer decides who's going to win and who's going to lose, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, who's going to make it into the sequel and who isn't. Real life rarely sticks to the script. Even those bonds that feel unbreakable can break. Friendships will be tested and trust can be betrayed. Brittany's mom, Angela, has said that Alphonse was over at their house all the time, and even though she may not have normally allowed Brittany to have a boy over unsupervised, it wasn't even really like that between Alphonse and Brittany. So he was welcome whether Brittany's parents were home or not. They'd spend afternoons studying or just hanging out, playing games. Alphonse was really close to Brittany's baby brother, who they called Little Wayne, which I thought was cute because their dad is Wayne Jr., and so Little Wayne is Wayne the third. Brittany's home life and upbringing was a lot different than Alphonse's. I did say that Alphonse took care of his mom, but it was just the two of them. She was a single mother, so much of his time was spent outside the home hanging out with friends who were in similar situations. I guess the best way to describe Alphonse is that he was kind of a street kid, for lack of a better term, which isn't always a bad thing, but it can be. If nothing else, Alphonse grew up to be pretty street smart, to an extent, whereas Brittany's family dynamic was much different. Both of her parents were present and in the home, 
still married, as I said at the beginning. She had a much younger brother and younger sister, but they were all very close. Brittany's life was very much centered around her family. So Alphonse, in spending so much time over there, was able to experience that for himself. The sense of family gave him a great deal of hope for himself and his future, that maybe the cycle of the situation that he had found himself in doesn't have to repeat itself, that there can be more to life than just struggling to raise a family with a single parent, more than him having to get out there as a young kid and doing what he had to do to try and help make ends meet, to have all the things that he wanted out of life, that there is something to be said for hard work and dedication to your family. Becoming close friends with Brittany and being made to feel a part of the family gave Alphonse that hope. There was a part of Alphonse's dad that thought maybe someday down the road, a little something more would have developed between Brittany and Alphonse. It was possible for guys and girls to be friends without there being any more between them. For Brittany and Alphonse, for the time being, it seemed like one of those situations that they didn't want to mess up a good friendship by taking a chance on a romantic relationship. And you know, all of their friends were certain that there was more going on between them or that they were headed in that direction. Neither one of them really had anything else going on with anybody else. But the bottom line was Brittany didn't see Alphonse in that way. She really did consider him to be one of her best friends. And for her, that really wasn't going to change. And for the most part, Alphonse felt the same way. Brittany was more like a sister. Growing up, Alphonse had had so many significant females in his family. His mother, his grandmother, aunts, and most of his cousins were girls. He was just raised by women all around women. But whatever he had with Brittany, it didn't really matter because Alphonse was a popular, athletic, good-looking young man. There was no shortage of girls around anyway. He was a very flirtatious guy, and he kind of fancied himself a ladies' man. Once the weekends rolled around, and if you were looking for something to do, your go-to guy would be Alphonse. He knew what was going on and where to go if you wanted to have fun. But one of his and Brittany's favorite things to do was to head out to some of the more remote locations in the surrounding vineyards to have a bonfire. The kids would listen to music, drink, smoke weed. Everything they were doing was illegal, but it was far out enough that if they did see the cops coming, they would be able to get out of there pretty quickly, which was also part of the enjoyment of it all, apparently. As good of a student as Brittany was, as much as she excelled at her sports and loved being with her family, when it came to drinking and partying, Brittany's motto was go big or go bigger. The thing is, while Brittany had a very wholesome upbringing, it was also kind of a sheltered upbringing. The city of Lodi in and of itself isn't the worst place in the world to raise a family. It is rural, and because of that, it can sometimes give you somewhat of a false sense of security. So when Alphonse and Brittany did go out with friends, he kept a close eye on her. It wasn't unusual for Brittany to have a little too much to drink, so he was very protective over Brittany. She did have that sense of security, mainly because Alphonse was always close by. I mentioned before that Alphonse would be considered more street smart than Brittany. He was never one to let his guard down. No matter how rural or 
off the beaten path Lodi may have been, it was still just 20 minutes outside of Stockton, California, which is not only one of the most dangerous cities in the state, it often lands in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the country. Lodi is not only the perfect place to cultivate grapes, it's also the perfect place to cultivate marijuana. When there is a potential for a great deal of money to be made, and when there's money being made illegally, all of that can sometimes become a target for crime. And if you got someone like Alphonse, who knows what it's like out there, the street kid with the street smarts, he's going to have that added awareness about him, whereas somebody like Brittany may not. Alphonse always kept a close eye on her, especially when she was drinking. It was fairly common knowledge amongst close friends that Alphonse sold marijuana, at least he used to. It's one of those worst kept secrets, I guess. How big time or small time Alphonse was depends on who you're asking. This was back in the 2000s. It's kind of funny to look back on now since smoking weed isn't so much a big deal anymore as it was back then. Even when I was in high school in the early 90s, it was a huge deal if you knew who the pot dealer was. But yeah, Alphonse was the guy. I thought it was kind of cute how Alphonse's dad described it in his interview in a documentary I watched on this case. He stated, I think he probably dibbled and dabbled a little bit here and there, but nothing really serious. He didn't jump in all the way. He probably done a little extracurricular activity on the side to just, you know, friends or something like that. I like that so much, dibbled and dabbled. That's going to be like the new words added to my vocabulary from this point forward. There are some accounts that Alphonse stopped selling weed by the time he got to high school, especially after he met and became friends with Brittany, that he truly aspired to bigger and better things. It was kind of something that Alphonse used to do with Evan. And when he moved on from his friendship from him, Alphonse moved on from selling weed too. There are some classmates who said Alphonse was the go-to guy for weed. I figured it was probably somewhere in the middle. Maybe Alphonse wasn't as involved as he had once been, but still had the weed connection. Alphonse realized that as he got older and was getting closer to being an adult and getting out of high school, that it was going to get him in a lot more trouble than when he was a kid, and it just wasn't worth risking his future. Whatever the case was, it was a thing that he and Evan did together. And while Alphonse was moving away from it, Evan continued going down that path. There is no indication that there was anything more going on beyond selling marijuana. At least I didn't read or see that they were dibbling and dabbling in anything harder than that. Alphonse was a year older than Brittany, so they were guests at each other's commencements, and they were really super proud of one another for making it to that milestone. After graduation, neither one of them left Lodi. Not just yet. They were both attending local community colleges, working towards their goals that they had set for themselves. And you know, in order for each of them to achieve those goals, they were going to have to someday venture beyond community college and beyond Lodi. But for the time being, things would pretty much be the same. They were both taking classes, they both had jobs, but the two things that stayed the same 
was their friendship and their partying on the weekends. They sort of made this pact to make sure that they wouldn't drift apart, that nothing was going to change even though they weren't in high school anymore, that just because they were adults now, that didn't mean they couldn't continue having fun and letting loose on the weekends. And for the first couple of years out of high school, that is exactly how things went for Brittany and Alphonse. School, work, and weekend fun. Then came a weekend at one of their bonfires that they had gathered at with their friends. It so happened that Evan showed up. It had been a long time since Alphonse had seen him, so it was kind of a surprise. And it was a surprise for Brittany too, who took one look at Evan and was like, wow, he is so cute. Alphonse introduced Brittany to Evan, and it was kind of obvious that there was a spark between the two of them. After Evan stepped away to talk to some of their other friends, Brittany asked Alphonse how, why, and where had he been hiding this friend of his all these years. And that was really how it was. Even though Evan and Alphonse had been friends for several years, they were once really close, but as they got into their mid-teens, their interests had changed. Evan went one way and Alphonse went the other. Evan was a person that Alphonse just never brought up or mentioned to Brittany. And that bonfire was really the first time in a long time that Alphonse had run into him. Later on that night, Evan hung around Alphonse and Brittany a little bit more. And soon, Alphonse was kind of feeling like the third wheel. Brittany and Evan exchanged numbers that night, and they started texting and talking. Not too long after that bonfire, Evan was all that Brittany was talking about to her friends, including Alphonse. Though you get the impression that Alphonse was not a fan of Brittany being so into his old friend. And according to Brittany's mom, Brittany was really excited about this new guy, that he was really cute and funny and fun to hang out with. Soon the texting and talking led to them hanging out more and more, going out and soon they were an item. She had called up her friends one day and they all knew how much that she liked him and Evan liked her too, so nobody was surprised when she called and said that Evan asked her to be his girlfriend and she said yes, so it became officially official. Not many of Brittany's friends were all that keen on her relationship with Evan, but the one who was mostly not very keen on it was Alphonse. He felt like Evan wasn't right for Brittany, but that's not uncommon for people who share a close bond with someone, like a brother or a sister, to feel that way when they get involved in a relationship with someone. But for Alphonse, he'd known Evan for a long time, and he felt as if there was a side to Evan that Brittany wasn't going to know because it's a side of himself that Evan wasn't going to show her. There was just stuff that he knew that Brittany didn't and Alphonse wasn't comfortable with it. Evan and Alphonse both had it pretty rough growing up, which is what their friendship and bond was based on in the beginning. While they both had it tough in terms of their family struggles, you get the impression that Alphonse had a stronger foundation when it came to the closeness with his family. Alphonse struggled because his parents weren't together, because his mother had a series of debilitating health problems, but Evan struggled because of family dysfunction. So while there are certain things that brought these boys together when they were kids, Alphonse had the desire and the wherewithal to find a way to work through it because if nothing else, 
he did have a very loving relationship with the family he was close with. At the end of the day, no matter how much you struggle, having the love and support of your family can get you through it. While Alphonse wanted to work towards a better life and a better future for himself, to live in a better neighborhood, to enjoy a comfortable lifestyle, to someday have a stable family, Evan didn't have goals beyond just getting by. One day at a time, he was doing so by continuing to sell marijuana without any real intentions of ever doing anything different, at least not for the foreseeable future. Alphonse didn't want that for Brittany. He felt like Evan was no good for her. While that's understandable, I mean, Evan is has pretty much relegated himself to selling weed while Brittany is going to college with the hopes of one day getting into medical school. Alphonse certainly wasn't the only one who thought that Brittany could not only do better than Evan, that she deserved better. But, you know, when you're 19 or 20 years old, you don't care what anybody else thinks. You're not trying to settle down. You're not trying to buy a house or have kids yet. Evan was party guy, not long-term relationship guy. I mean, seriously, looking back on your late teens and early 20s, who wouldn't want to be with the cutest, most fun guy ever? Or girl, whichever your pleasure. Brittany couldn't see why her friends didn't see what she saw in Evan. But they rarely do, right? Well, Evan, like Alphonse, kind of fancied himself a ladies' man too. But the difference was Alphonse didn't settle into a relationship with one girl. Evan did. He was supposed to have been committed to Brittany, but after a while, it seemed like being with Brittany was a kind of way into meeting all of her friends. He was very flirtatious, and he didn't really make any efforts to hide it. Evan started hitting on all of Brittany's friends, including one of her cousins. And when that cousin pointed that out, that she was Brittany's cousin, he shrugged and said, yeah, and? Most of Brittany's friends and family made no secret about the fact that they didn't like Evan, and as time went on, they liked him even less. Brittany's mom didn't like him and was actually really perplexed as to what Brittany saw in him or why her standards had sank so low. She could see that Brittany was putting her heart and soul into this relationship with Evan, while Evan was giving very little in return. He was a taker, and he just so happened to find the perfect person to take advantage of in Brittany. Brittany felt like everybody was just against her or jealous or trying to boss her around or sticking their nose where it didn't belong. However, over time, Brittany was seeing what everybody else had been seeing and complaining about. But she thought that she was in love and wasn't willing to give up just yet. There was also that part of her that didn't want to have to admit that everybody else was right and she was wrong. So she was going to hang on to Evan and her pride for now, at least. She decided to push all the negativity out of her mind and just focused on the things that made her happy when it came to her relationship with Evan. She was just going to keep moving forward, continuing on with her own goals, chasing her dreams with the hopes of Evan one day coming around and finding his own path and dreams and goals. The one thing that was difficult for Brittany to keep pushing out of her mind were the rumors that Evan was messing around with other girls, or at least trying to, especially with her own friends and her cousin. They were trying to warn her, 
Evan is no good. He's a player. He's going to hurt you. But Brittany did choose to ignore and deny rather than confront it. But then there came a night when Brittany got a dose of the truth. She and her mom had gone out that evening to rent a movie at the video store. Brittany was driving and her mom was seated next to her. When they pulled into the parking lot, Brittany spotted Evan holding hands with another girl. She began crying and later on that night, she ended things with him. It didn't last though. It was the first in a series of breakups and makeups that Brittany and Evan would go through. While she was hurt and she wanted to break off the relationship, she was still in love with a guy and had a hard time letting go. So Brittany would end it, Evan would apologize, she would take him back and then repeat. Then there came a time when Brittany and Evan ended up having a pretty bad fight and broke up yet again. This time, Brittany turned to Alphonse for someone to talk to, someone to lean on for support. Alphonse ended up taking things kind of the wrong way because as they talked, he tried leaning in for a kiss. This took Brittany by surprise. She immediately backed away and she was shocked and confused because nothing like that had ever happened between them before. They'd never even come close. But Brittany made it pretty clear that that wasn't something that she wanted to do. And I'm not really sure if Alphonse uh, misunderstood or got his signals crossed or if he was attempting to take advantage of Brittany being in a pretty vulnerable state of emotion. But because they had been such good friends for a long time, I tend to lean towards him misunderstanding rather than taking advantage. They both said that they were like brother and sister and he wouldn't do something like that. I'd like to think so. But like I said in the beginning, things change and people change. And one thing is for certain. From the moment that Alphonse made that move on Brittany, nothing would ever be the same between the two of them again. When that incident happened between Brittany and Alphonse, it got Brittany and her other friends wondering where that had all come from. For Brittany, Alphonse making a romantic overture towards her was completely out of left field. But her closest girlfriends weren't as surprised by it. Alphonse was a very popular and likable guy and he attracted women pretty easily. But since this all happened, they did have to admit that Alphonse was a little bit different when it came to Brittany. And the feelings that he had for her, they seemed to always be there, just below the surface. He just never acted on them until Brittany and Evan had that breakup. It had Alphonse thinking too. Maybe he did have all these feelings for Brittany, and it never really dawned on him until she got into this relationship with Evan. So when they broke up, he decided to act on his feelings and it didn't go well. However, as a result of that night, it was as if all the feelings that Alphonse had for Brittany, he let it all come to the surface. When she rejected his advances, for Alphonse, there was no going back. It was all out in the open. Now Brittany knew how he felt and it wasn't like he would be able to pull all of his feelings back into a little box and tuck it back away where it had been all those years. Alphonse was now having to carry those feelings with him out in the open. And those close romantic feelings that he had for Brittany began to turn into him feeling hurt and jealous. 
Even though all of Brittany's friends made it clear that they didn't like Evan, that he was a terrible boyfriend, that he was mistreating her, he was using her and taking advantage of her, all it took was for him to come around with the same old apologies and promises that it'll never happen again for Brittany to give him yet another chance. But when you're 19 or 20, that's what happens sometimes. One of the big issues with Evan, aside from him being a bit of a cad, was the fact that the guy had absolutely no ambition. Like, Brittany knew for several years that because she loved kids so much that she wanted to do something that involved working with children. And what better than seeing and helping them enter into the world? That is what led Brittany to want to pursue a medical degree and one day becoming an OBGYN. She was big sister to a little brother and a little sister who she absolutely adored, and that's where her love for children began. Unfortunately, Evan had not really ever had the chance to find his thing in life, his passion, something that he wanted to do. He just didn't connect with anything in his youth, and it was Brittany's hope that now that they were young adults, that he would eventually settle on something. She figured that was part of her role in his life, to help him find his way, to guide him and inspire him to set his sights for bigger and better things. Something beyond selling drugs, which is what he did full time. And perhaps Brittany did have those hopes for Evan, but what it all boils down to is Evan selling drugs wasn't going to be the thing that Brittany would ever end their relationship over. And it seemed quite lucrative. So while Brittany may not have necessarily wanted Evan to make a career out of selling weed, at the same time, she wasn't letting it come between them or cause her to leave him. Ultimately, it would be the drugs that would end them for good. Although, there were a couple of other factors that would play into that. In the meantime, Evan, Brittany, and Alphonse just tried to carry on as friends, sort of. That's what Brittany said that she wanted, but it was kind of obvious that things just weren't the same. Whether it was the rejection that got to Alphonse or the realization that he had feelings for Brittany, it really isn't clear. It was probably a combination of the both. But what did happen when Brittany rebuffed his advances is that Alphonse's anger turned towards Evan. They had once been so close, but they drifted apart, and now Evan was not only back in his life, he had moved in on his best friend. Alphonse and Brittany had so much more in common than she did with Evan. They were both smart and ambitious. They were going places in life. Evan was just kind of there. All he did was sell weed and party. Not that Alphonse wasn't all about that either at one time, but he felt like he had grown up and matured, and needed to move on to the next stage of his life, otherwise he'd be stuck in Lodi forever, probably ending up on the streets or in jail or dead. It was hard for Alphonse to sit on the sidelines of Brittany and Evan's relationship, feeling that he would be a better man for her. Alphonse was having a hard time getting over the sting of her rejection, and time wasn't making it any better. If anything, it only made it worse. Because not only was he having to wallow in his own self-pity, Brittany wasn't really there for him either. When she needed a shoulder to cry on, Alphonse was there for her. But now that he was feeling down in the dumps, she wasn't really there for him in the same way. 
Her whole world evolved around Evan, and all that did was aggravate Alphonse even more. It was becoming clear amongst their circle of friends that Alphonse was really wanting to be with Brittany, and he wanted to try and figure out a way to get her to reciprocate the feelings. There's no doubt that he cared for Brittany deeply and that he missed the friendship that they used to have before everything happened with Evan. But now that he didn't even really have that, it was like it caused him to want her in more ways than just friends. He wanted to be the one in a relationship with her, and he really didn't make any efforts to hide his feelings from their mutual friends. But Brittany was kind of getting tired of Alphonse always being so dejected and forlorn every time she saw him. So along with everything else that was going on, this was putting more and more distance between them. She didn't come straight out and confront Alphonse or say anything to him like she's over him being so gloomy and such a drag to be around. She just began drifting away from him more and more, not wanting to hang out, making excuses, not answering text messages and phone calls. But you know, she didn't have to say it or be mean about it. Her actions were speaking loudly and Alphonse was getting the message. She was choosing her relationship with Evan over her friendship with Alphonse. And while Alphonse may have been feeling like the odd man out, it really wasn't like he was the only one. Brittany and Evan were all about each other all the time. She wasn't seeing any of her friends like she used to, according to her mom, Angela. Whenever they had a family gathering or a dinner or something like that, Evan would never want to join in, so Brittany would end up opting out as well. Her mom may have not been too happy about that, but she figured it would pass. Lots of young people go through these intense feelings when they get into these relationships. In order to try and get his mind off of things and stay busy, Alphonse began spending more time with a cousin of his named Robert Barnes. And Robert was about two, two and a half years younger than him. But Alphonse often carried on and on about Brittany and his feelings for her. Robert tried to convince Alphonse that it was no big deal. There's lots of other women out there just to get over it. But Alphonse's mind wasn't going in that direction. He was more interested in trying to get even because he felt like he had been so wrong and betrayed, especially by Evan. So Alphonse's first brilliant idea was to break into Evan's house and to steal one shoe from each pair of his shoes. I do find that to be immature and annoying yet slightly funny, only as a prank though. You know, eventually I'd want the shoes to be given back but that wasn't going to happen. In that case, it can be expensive. And I'm sure Evan, being that he sells weed for a living, probably spends an obscene amount of money on shoes. Alphonse also saw it as a pretty funny joke, but if he never had any intentions of giving the shoes back, then it's a crime. Evan was enraged when he came home to realize that every one of his shoes was missing a mate. And Brittany, of course, is the one who has to deal with Evan's anger over this. And really, she took it as a slight against her, too. Alphonse didn't even try to hide the fact that he was the one behind it because he was quite amused by the whole thing. Brittany had a hard time calming Evan down over the missing shoes. 
she and Evan both saw this as an insult. And because Alphonse had acted so disrespectfully towards Evan, his home and his property, Brittany took it as disrespectful of her as well. As a result, from that point forward, Brittany fully cut herself off from having any more to do with Alphonse. She wouldn't even reply to his text messages anymore. And this backlash from Brittany was a thing that Alphonse did not anticipate. Besides, Evan wasn't really all that keen on Brittany talking to Alphonse anymore anyway, since he had tried making a move on her. It caused lots of fights between them. One really bad one was when Evan snooped on Brittany's phone during the night and found some text messages from Alphonse. Things were just really bad between them because of Alphonse. And really, Brittany was kind of stuck in the middle of all of it. But ultimately, she chose Evan over her years-long friendship with Alphonse. Brittany's friends even went so far to say that she grew to hate Alphonse. Her anger towards him had taken her emotions to that point because of the way that he was being towards Evan. So as far as she was concerned, the friendship between them was over. Alphonse tried to just keep moving along and moving on, telling his friends that he really didn't give a crap anymore. But the truth was, it did bother him. And he was hurt that Brittany would choose Evan over him. Not only had they been friends for way longer than she ever even knew Evan, Alphonse felt like he was better, smarter, and more ambitious than Evan. He just didn't get what Brittany saw in him, a guy who had nothing going on for himself. At first, Alphonse just kind of put up with Evan being around and being in Brittany's life. But once Brittany completely stopped talking to him, that's what really got to Alphonse and took his emotions to the next level. Brittany decided that not only did she not have room for Alphonse in her life anymore, she didn't want or need him in her life either. She was convinced that she and Evan were going to last forever. After they got back together from their last big breakup, they felt closer and more serious than before. They started talking marriage and having a family. When Brittany graduated from high school and started going to college, her parents went ahead and converted their detached garage into sort of a little studio apartment for her to live in so that she could study in peace. Her brother and sister were quite a few years younger than her, so it was pretty chaotic in the main house. Before long, Evan was spending more and more time there at the converted apartment. Soon, he was spending the night there, and then another night, and then another, and then he gave up his own place and moved in permanently. Brittany's mom was not happy that Evan was living there. Not just the fact that he moved in with their daughter, but it was a fact that Brittany was busting her ass, going to work, and going to school full-time. Some nights, she wouldn't be home until 10 or 10.30 at night, and when she would get home, she would make dinner for herself and for Evan, who just sits at home all day doing nothing. That's what Brittany's mom was annoyed with. Brittany was a little bit too busy to really notice or care. She was hoping that her hard work was going to pay off for her in the end. While she felt like she was doing everything that she was supposed to do, it did wear on her at times. She thought about her future and how much she wanted it, 
Day in and day out, that's what kept her going. And at the time, she did think life was going exactly the way she wanted it to, especially with Evan by her side. But there were times when it was overwhelming. But there was hardly ever time to even worry about that. It may or may not be unfair of me to say that all Evan did was sit around the converted garage and do nothing when the truth was he was selling weed out of their place. It was a much different direction than Brittany was headed. At the time, recreational marijuana was illegal, so possession with the intent to sell was a bit more serious than just having a bit of weed for your own personal use. It's not easy to mask the smell of a large quantity of marijuana. And Brittany's mom isn't stupid. She could tell that there was more going on inside Brittany's apartment than just some regular recreational smoking. It was causing problems between Brittany and her parents who kept telling her and Evan that they did not want drugs being sold from their house. There is potential for everybody to get into trouble. But the both of them, Brittany and Evan, they refused to abide by Brittany's parents' rules, which I'm actually kind of surprised by the whole thing. For one, that Evan was openly selling drugs out of their house and just completely acted like he could do whatever he wanted to do on property that Brittany's parents owned. That takes a lot of nerve to just thumb your nose at it like that. And secondly, that Brittany would just go along with it and defy her parents in that way. After all, remember, she was all up in arms about Alphonse disrespecting her and Evan the time that he stole one shoe from each of his pairs. She made such a big stink about this, being such disrespectful and whatever. But when it came to her and Evan disrespecting her parents by continuing to sell weed out of their house after they explicitly had been told not to, it was like she just didn't even care. Brittany felt like the converted garage was her to do with what she pleased, and that included allowing Evan to conduct his business how he saw fit. As much as Brittany may have been on the right path as far as her education and career goals were concerned, she was also very much on board with Evan's illegal activities. She allowed him the place to do it. She supported it. Oftentimes, she did the driving and the delivery, and she was just as complicit since she lived there too. I'm pretty sure that it is possible for the homeowners or landlords to get in trouble if illegal activities are happening on their property. It just varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. I don't know if Brittany realized that or not, but she's not stupid. So most likely, yeah, she did. But just like everything else when it came to her parents' house rules, she didn't care. She and Evan are grown, so they know everything, right? Evan ended up having a metal security door put on the entrance of their converted garage. He installed extra locks and deadbolts, and they took precautions to be careful and vigilant about everything that went on around the property. According to law enforcement, Evan had quite a lucrative business going on there. He was making a lot of money, and with that comes a certain level of risk when you're talking about the amounts of drugs and money that he kept on the premises on a regular basis. Evan's drug dealing was one of the reasons he and Alphonse originally drifted apart. They used to do it together. It was Alphonse who had shown Evan the ropes. Evan ended up getting arrested once, and then after that, Alphonse knew that he needed to move on from that life if he really wanted to go places. So he got out of the dibbling and dabbling, 
And yeah, Alphonse never got to the level of drug dealing that he believed Evan was taking things to. It worried Alphonse the way that Evan was dragging Brittany into his mess. It was putting her at risk too, living that kind of life. She was Evan's ride. She was the one who drove him all over the place whenever he needed to go somewhere to make a deal or to pick up or drop stuff off. And Alphonse hated the fact that Evan was dragging Brittany all over to these not so good neighborhoods. He felt like Brittany was too naive to realize what Evan was getting her into. And the longer this went on, the more Alphonse wanted to try and figure out a way to get Evan away from Brittany and out of her life. However, it may have been more about Alphonse's own jealousy, even though he may have tried to frame it as being for Brittany's own good. Evan was very well aware of the risks that went along with his drug dealing, and Evan let Brittany know that they needed to be careful, so they were pretty cautious. They tried to be as alert and aware of their surroundings at all times, to a point where the two of them grew to become pretty paranoid, and as time went on, it only got worse. It got to a point where their family and friends were becoming very worried for them, not just for their safety, but for their mental health. It seemed like at times they were both kind of losing it because of the way that they were acting, and it was becoming obvious to everybody that they were up to no good, particularly Alphonse. Alphonse felt as though Evan and Brittany wouldn't be acting as weird as they were if they weren't up to something really, really bad, really, really big, or both. And along with that, Alphonse reasoned there was a lot of money involved. So he decided he was going to make the leap from stealing shoes to robbing Evan for the tens of thousands of dollars that he believed that Evan had stashed inside that converted garage. And with that, the planning began. Alphonse had come to the conclusion that the reasons why Evan and Brittany had been acting so paranoid was because they must have had a lot of money and drugs stashed inside the place where they were living. So he came up with a plan that would basically kill two birds with one stone, for lack of a better analogy. He decided to rob Evan. That way, not only would he come up on a large amount of money, he would also get Evan out of Brittany's life. Now, I do not know for sure whether he expected Brittany to break up with Evan as a result of a violent armed robbery that happened too close to her and her family, that it would be too dangerous for him to continue living there and for her to continue being in a relationship with him, or if Brittany's parents would kick Evan out or have him arrested for dealing drugs out of their house, or if Alphonse expected Evan to get shot and killed. That way, he'd be rid of him for good and out of Brittany's life once and for all. I don't know what the exact intentions were. However, I tend to lean towards murder was not initially part of the plan. There are a series of text messages between Alphonse and his cousin Robert that I will go through. The texts are full of slang and slurs. I'm going to translate it as best I can for you so you can get the idea of where their minds are at as they were planning all of this out. Much of the following information comes from court documents related to this case. On November 18, 2009, Brittany was living with her boyfriend, Evan, in her parents' garage in the city of Acampo. It had been converted into sort of a one-bedroom apartment. That evening of the 18th, shortly after 8 p.m., Brittany and Evan 
went to Lodi to get some fast food. The trip there was about 7 to 10 minutes and Brittany was driving. When they arrived home, they parked in the driveway, which was dark, as were the surrounding areas. They got out of the car and headed towards the front door side by side. As Evan put his house keys into the door, a man wearing a ski mask, dressed in dark clothing, came out from around the corner and raised a gun at Evan. Evan immediately ran, but Brittany screamed. As Evan ran, he heard five to six gunshots ring out. One of the bullets went through and through his left leg. Evan never saw the shooter's face or any other identifying features. Brittany's mother was home at the time with her two younger children, along with some friends who were visiting them. From inside the main house, they heard the screaming and the gunshots and immediately called 911. The shooter had fled, and when Evan returned to the front door, he found Brittany had been shot one time in the back, and he also made a call to 911. Brittany was unresponsive. She was not breathing, and she did not have a pulse. Evan attempted to begin CPR. He heard Brittany let out a single gasp of air, but that's all he ever heard coming from her. Brittany was subsequently transported to a local hospital where she was pronounced dead. It was later determined that Brittany died in less than a minute after being shot. I could not find any information about what the bullet that struck her in the back actually hit, but it had to have been something so rapidly fatal, like right through her heart or its major artery. A nearby neighbor heard the gunshots and went outside to investigate, because that's the smart thing to do, right? A man dressed in dark clothing ran by and got into an SUV that was parked nearby a truck that belonged to that neighbor. They did not turn on the vehicle's headlights and drove away very slowly. Crime scene technicians recovered two 380 cartridges and three bullets. Two of those bullets were 380s, and the third one was a 38 Special, but they were all determined to be fired from the same gun. Investigators also found digital scales, 8 ounces of marijuana, and $8,500 in cash. The investigation into the shooting eventually led to Alphonse becoming a person of interest. It was basically their circle of friends who began pointing investigators towards Alphonse. It was discovered that Evan and Alphonse used to be friends, they had both sold marijuana, and it was Alphonse who taught Evan how to make money selling drugs. Alphonse and Evan's friendship wasn't close anymore after they got into high school. It was then that Alphonse became friends with Brittany. Sometime after high school, Alphonse and Brittany encountered Evan. It was shortly after that that Brittany and Evan began a romantic relationship, and this caused the two men to dislike one another. Alphonse regularly purchased marijuana from a person identified as Joshua in court documents. On one occasion when Joshua was selling to him, Alphonse asked him if he knew where Evan was living. I don't think Alphonse was able to ascertain that information from Joshua. However, he did go on to discuss some of the planning as to what he was going to do in text messages. On August 24, 2009, a little less than three months before the shooting, Alphonse sent a text to Joshua that read, and dreamers, I'll be paraphrasing and speaking the complete words with all their consonants and vowels, 
but I'm not going to correct the grammar. His text message said, Just remember, loose lips, sink ships, keep everything we spoke on between us, real shit, we can fuck with each other all day. Joshua replied with a text agreeing with Alphonse, to which Alphonse replied, Off top, no pillow talking, this shit ain't for the faint or the weak of heart. The game is thick, make your next move your best move. And in a follow-up text, Alphonse said, Remember what I said about that? Let me know when's a good time soon to get that and split that one time you understand me. Joshua would later state that this text message basically meant that Alphonse wanted to know when it would be a good time to go after and get Evan. At the end of each of Alphonse's text messages, they're all followed by a preset tagline. And he changes them frequently, and I'll tell you what they all are because they're so stupid. The tagline at this point in time was the N-word, followed by cross in the game gets the blues. Joshua explained that he believed that that tagline was meant to indicate that selling marijuana is a difficult market. That's what the court documents read. I interpreted that tagline as being if someone messes with you or what you're doing, then bad things are going to happen to them. The defense tried to have these taglines excluded from the text messages. They were ultimately all kept in. So after each one of Alphonse's messages, you get this variety of dumb phrases. So, as it turned out, Alphonse's cousin Robert was not the only person that Alphonse had asked to help him carry out this robbery that he was planning. He also asked a man named Aaron Young to be an accomplice. So, later on, under a grant of immunity, Aaron would testify that Alphonse asked him to find out where Evan was living, which he did. Aaron, Robert, and Alphonse all talked about planning on robbing Evan. Aaron stated that he was supposed to be the one who would run up on Evan, pull the gun on him, force him into the house, and tell him to give him the money, and then he would take it and run back to the car, and then they'd leave. Alphonse would be the driver, and Robert would go with him when he held up Evan as sort of like backup, I guess. The person waiting in the car was supposed to be the lookout. These guys didn't really have a specific date set, that they were going to pull this off because Brittany and her parents were home all the time. Aaron ended up being unable to go because he suffered a leg injury that prevented him from participating in the robbery. For his testimony, Aaron was able to plead guilty to assault with a deadly weapon in an unrelated case and was given credit for time served. Aaron was also relocated for about a year and a half up until the day he testified against his co-conspirators, and that cost $28,479.40. Alphonse sent several text messages to a variety of individuals as he prepared and planned for the robbery. The most relevant ones were put forth in the court documents. On September 7, 2009, a little more than two months before the shooting, Alphonse sent a text to an unknown person that stated, I need a quick lick to get some artillery, then I'll be ready to get ears. Evan's nickname was Long Ears. In a follow-up text, Alphonse stated, I'm damn near ready to hit ears, but I need artillery for the bigger licks we got on deck. According to Urban Dictionary, a lick is a successful type of theft, 
which results in an acceptable and impressive and rewarding payday for the protagonist. On September 22, 2009, a little less than two months before the shooting, Alphonse sent a text to his cousin Robert that stated, We need to get some more shells tomorrow when Rock gets his car back. And the tagline this time was, Young baby face assassin for real. The following day, Alphonse texted an unknown person that he needed to buy some ammunition for him. Three days later, Alphonse sent another text to another unknown person asking them to buy a few boxes of shells for a few of his guns. On October 5th, 2009, about six weeks before the shooting, Alphonse texted the same unknown person from his September 7th text exchange and stated, You need to get in that house and set your eyes on that safe and loot. Baby is go time. The tagline this time was dominant species on the planet. The unknown person texted back, I don't know how to get any more info. I gave you what I could, Bonds. It's in your hands now. Evan's girl has all the money at her house since Evan's locked up. Later that same day, Alphonse texted, Okay, baby, so he's got it all at Brits and hopefully in the pool house then, right? The person replied, Yeah, last I heard she and him were living there. I'll keep a lookout on it, but 95% sure it's all there and shit. Alphonse replied, Okay, I'm ready to do it now. It better be if Danny had it, honestly, but if it's at a pool house, that'd be perfect. The next day, on October 6th, Alphonse sent the same person a text that read, Baby, I'm ready to go. Have you heard anything new? I'm locked and loaded and ready to go. Alphonse also sent a text to someone named Carlos that said, Bruh, keep your mouth shut on that business. If we jump the N-word too fast, that whole lick's over. It ain't for certain he got the shit there. And this time his new tagline was, One date will unite us all in the end. Alphonse sent a follow-up text that stated, don't be telling too many about it if we jump the gun and hit the house and he's keeping it at Danny's, we lose a window of opportunity. And in another subsequent text, Alphonse wrote, Once my bitch sends eyes on the prize, we in there. Everybody's too hungry and ain't got the facts straight to go in blind. In this case, Carlos pleaded guilty to accessory after the fact in exchange for a 14-month sentence, which was considered time served. He was also required to provide truthful testimony at trial. On October 8, 2009, Alphonse sent a text to Carlos that stated, I hope you ain't busy today, brah, because we need to be training to catch this N-word slipping out there. Carlos replied, who? Alphonse answered, Evan. We gotta wait out there by his house and see if we can catch him slipping, brah. So come out here with Rob G like 6.30, it's go time. Then Alphonse sent another text that stated, Yep, just come with you and Rob G so we ain't too deep. And he got my jack clothes. At trial, Carlos testified that text meant to try to catch Evan by himself. Aaron testified that the text meant to catch Evan off guard. Carlos also clarified that Rob G is Robert and that jack clothes were things that one would wear to rob somebody, like dark hoodie, dark pants, things of that sort. On October 16, 2009, a month and a couple of days before the shooting, Alphonse sent a text to the same unknown person that stated, does Ears still drive that white car with the rims or Brittany's car? 
and his tagline on this day was dance with the devil. 30 minutes later, Alphonse texted the same person and Aaron that he saw Evan jump in the car with Brittany. An hour and a half later, Alphonse texted again, I'm here waiting on you, bruh. You know I got you, just say the word. An hour after that, he sent a text to Carlos that stated, don't forget the backpack, bro. Carlos later testified that Robert Barnes kept a gun in a backpack. On October 17th, Carlos sent a text to Alphonse that stated, hey, I was checking out the spot and they put a black safe in the car. It was a little safe. Alphonse complimented Carlos on his surveillance by texting, good job, bro. Watch him like special ops type. If I was with you, that would have been the perfect timing. And his tagline on this day was, "Ya boy flyer than a 9-11 terrorist. On October 28th, Robert sent a text to Alphonse that stated, I am fixing to go get the mask and more shells. I already got some new Franklins. Franklins are a brand of baseball gloves. Carlos later testified that he drove Robert to a sporting goods store to buy some tight-fitting baseball gloves. Carlos's girlfriend also provided testimony that she overheard Alphonse talking about wanting to kidnap Evan over money or drugs. She had gone to a Halloween party at the end of October of 2009, a little less than three weeks before the shooting. She went with Carlos, Alphonse, and Robert. That evening, she and Carlos had gone to Robert's house. It was there she saw Alphonse pull out a revolver from his waistband. Carlos testified that he saw a firearm in a backpack at Robert's house. And at least one other witness saw Alphonse with the revolver on the evening of the Halloween party. A witness identified as Michael in the court documents testified that he sold Alphonse two bulletproof vests. On November 6, 2009, 12 days before the shooting, Alphonse sent a text to Michael that stated, We need to get them vests out here, brah. Up to what caliber can they stop? Do you know? And the tagline on this day was, What is a bitch gun do for me? The next day, Alphonse texted, If you or Jimmy come across bigger vests, longer at least, let's do it again. Micah replied, for sure. Vest is just meant to cover all your vital organs and shit. Alphonse replied, I know, but yeah, kidneys is pretty vital. I wish I still had my level 4 Teflon. On the day of the shooting, November 18, 2009, the court documents outline the text messages and the cell phone locations. On that day, which was a Wednesday, cell phone records revealed that Alphonse and his cousin slash accomplice Robert Barnes were in downtown Stockton. At 6.25 p.m., Robert sent a text to Alphonse that stated, Makeup. Alphonse replied, Yep, with a tagline, Religious about the clitoris. 30 minutes later, Robert texted, Where you go? Alphonse replied, We'll be there now. At 6.59 p.m., Alphonse texted, Yeah, come on, so we can get eggy. Later on, he texted, Bring my backpack, bro, it's on your bed. At 7.30 p.m., Robert's cell phone was headed north on Highway 99 in the Lodi area. From 8.09 to 8.33 p.m., his phone was near the area of the crime scene. And from 8.09 to 8.32 p.m., Alphonse's phone was near the crime scene also. During this time, they made five phone calls to one another. Four of them lasted between 52 seconds and 1 minute and 32 seconds. The last call made at 8.32 p.m. lasted 18 seconds. 911 was called six minutes later at 8.38 p.m. From there, both phones were headed south on Interstate 5, and by 9.30 p.m., both phones were back in downtown Stockton. 
Their third accomplice, Aaron, who backed out of the robbery due to a leg injury, testified that Alphonse and Robert came to his home that evening. He resided in downtown Stockton. He described Alphonse as frantic and crying. He said Robert was not crying, but seemed kind of frantic. Alphonse told Aaron that the robbery went bad and that Brittany was shot. Alphonse also told Aaron that it was only he and Robert who were there. Alphonse said that he was in the car at the time, but he heard the gunshots and Brittany's scream. Robert said that he ran up on Evan and that Evan threw a drink at him. After that, Barnes said that he shot Evan in the leg as he was unlocking the door. He said that Brittany screamed, which startled him, and the gun went off. Both Robert and Alphonse told Aaron that they did not mean to kill Brittany. That same night, Alphonse sent a text to Carlos that stated, We never even left to do shit. The party we was going to got canceled. All right, bruh, don't feel left out. I interpreted that text message as Alphonse telling Carlos, somebody who was meant to possibly be with him at the robbery or helped in the planning somehow, that it didn't go down and that he wasn't going to get any money. Alphonse also sent a text to Aaron telling him that he was watching the news on TV about Brittany's murder. Months before the shooting, Brittany was no longer speaking to Alphonse. She wouldn't even text him. And based on the way she and Evan were acting, he had come to the conclusion that because of their behavior, that Evan, his drug dealing had become pretty big time and that he was making a lot of money. And they were paranoid because of it. It was then that Alphonse began talking to his cousin Robert about robbing Evan, since it was rumored to have been tens of thousands of dollars that he had stashed in his place. They also began surveilling Evan to get an idea of what his movements were like, and eventually they were hoping to catch him in a vulnerable position. The text messages clearly outlined the months of planning that was taking place. Alphonse and Robert began watching Evan. By the time they had gotten all the things that they needed for the robbery, the ammunition, the clothing, the gloves, the ski mask, the bulletproof vest, etc., they began watching Evan for just the right time to catch him alone. The opportunity arrived on November 18, 2009, but Evan wasn't alone. Alphonse and Robert were watching as he and Brittany left their place to go get some fast food, and they decided to take this opportunity. While they were gone, Robert got out of the car and hid on the side of their garage apartment while Alphonse remained in the driver's seat of their vehicle. It was less than 30 minutes later when Evan and Brittany returned home. Inside the main house, Brittany's mom was there with Brittany's brother and sister and had some friends visiting at the time. There was just really not going to be a time when Brittany's mom wasn't going to be there. Alphonse knew there was always somebody home, so they decided to just do it when they got the best chance they could. Not only did they do it when Brittany's family was there, but there were several other adults and children inside the house at the time, too. Just as when they had left to go get food, as Brittany and Evan arrived at home and got out of the car, they were being watched. They walked towards their front door, and as Evan was putting his keys into the lock, Robert emerged from around the corner wearing a mask and dark clothing. He raised his gun and pointed it at Evan. Unfortunately, Robert had little to no experience handling a firearm, so things went bad really fast. Alphonse and Robert may have made the claim that they never intended to shoot Brittany and that Evan was their target, but they knew that they were always together, and they saw that they were together 
when they decided to carry out the plan. Likely they were losing their patience waiting to catch Evan alone. And this is what would ultimately cause this whole thing to turn out the way that it did. Not that criminals are intelligent individuals, but in this particular case, Alphonse and Robert are just stupid. I mean, I'm not an expert in armed robbery, hostage taking, or home invasion burglary, but it was just so dumb to not only have one gunman to try to control two victims, but to jump out from around a corner and startle them. Clearly, Robert's nerves were just as on edge as Brittany's and Evan's. And they knew Brittany wasn't very street smart. She had never been a crime victim or robbed like that before. Her knee-jerk reaction was to scream. And Robert's knee-jerk reaction was to open fire. And as I said, I'm no expert on any of this. But you'd think that at the very least, that they'd watch enough TV and movies, especially Alphonse, Mr. I Want to Be a Filmmaker, to know that they needed at least one gunman per person. Outnumber them if possible. And they should have at least waited until Evan got the door open and to come up from behind them, not from the side and scare them like jumping out from a dark corner. And they should have just quietly let them know that to not make a sound or else they're dead. Order them into the house, maintain control, and then proceed with the robbery. Then they could get the money and they could have left without alerting anybody in the main house that anything was wrong. Everybody would get what they wanted. The robbers would have the money. Brittany may have either kicked Evan out or possibly even broken up with him, which is what Alphonse wanted. Not that this would have been the right way to go about this. I'm not saying that this is like a blueprint for the perfect home invasion robbery. But at least nobody would have been hurt or killed. Alphonse and his co-conspirators were so caught up in the planning of this robbery. As if they were like a bunch of badasses. And you can see it in all of their lame text messages. But when it came down to it, they were all a bunch of morons who had no idea what they were doing. In the end, Alphonse and Robert got exactly what they had coming to them, and they are exactly where they both deserve to be. They each tried blaming each other for the crime. They each insisted that the other was the shooter, pointing fingers at one another, like a couple of scaredy-cat, whiny-ass babies. It's like, where'd all the badassery and hard talk go, right? But based on witness testimony, it was determined that Alphonse was the primary architect of this crime and Robert was the shooter. It didn't really matter in the eyes of the law because they're both responsible. In September of 2012, Robert Barnes was convicted of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and attempted robbery. The jury also found it true, the special circumstance that he had personally and intentionally discharged a firearm in the commission of all three charges. Alphonse was found to be guilty of all the same charges, first-degree murder, attempted murder, and robbery, without the special circumstance of using a firearm. The prosecution did not seek the death penalty against them, so Alphonse was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for the murder, plus nine years for the attempted murder, but 
the sentence of three years was stayed for the charge of attempted robbery. Robert was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder, plus two consecutive 25-to-life sentences for the firearm enhancement, plus nine years consecutive for the attempted murder, and the three-year sentence for the attempted robbery was also stayed for a total of life without the possibility of parole, plus 59 years. Both of their appeals up to this point have been denied. Today, Alphonse is 34 years old and is housed at Kern Valley State Prison in Delano, California. Robert is 32 years old and is housed at Salinas Valley State Prison in Soledad, California. And as it stands, that's where they will be for the rest of their natural lives. I'm not sure what this was all about or what it was all for when it came to Alphonse. If this was about getting even with Evan, getting that money, or if this was more about his feelings for Brittany, because he just couldn't deal with not having her in his life, with her being with somebody else. Whatever the case was, his feelings just took over his better judgment. And in his quest to get the best of Evan, because of Alphonse's ego being so battered and bruised, he had to take action. He was the one who had reached out to Evan when they were kids. He was the one who helped Evan out when he needed a friend. He was the one who showed Evan the ropes. But Evan ended up being the one with a lot of money and being with Brittany. Alphonse destroyed so many lives and hurt so many people in addition to ending Brittany's life in a matter of seconds. The one person who once counted him as one of her best friends in the whole world. He did that. Just snuffed her out. Just like that. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Roseanne. And until next time, sweet dreams. <laughs>